Hi, baby. Yeah. So I want to just real quickly acknowledge uh, that there are kids in the room, and I absolutely love that. And, and here's, here's why I love that, because I think although um, Jess does an amazing job at, at making sure that we have age-specific stuff for our children, I, I think this is just kind of a picture, a better picture of the kingdom, where we're all together, and, and every race, every age, everyone comes together. And so um, if you're a parent and you have a child and they get noisy, everyone else here is going to give you grace for that, because that's okay. So don't panic. Don't freak out if your kids start screaming. Um, in fact, everyone, you're welcome to just laugh, tune out, and just know that that kid probably has more joy than all of us because they're okay with screaming in the middle of a crowded room and not worrying about what people think about them. So, so I, I, I just am glad they're in here, and um, I recognize it's going to be noisy, so therefore I will talk faster, and I should be done in less than 45 minutes. Um, I, I do love this time of year because no matter what your beliefs are, no matter um, whether you believe in Jesus or not, you get this, this special greeting. It, it, you can go out, and it happened to me today. I was in Fred Meyer, and I was humming probably out of tune um, some song, some Christmas song, because it was stuck in my head. And this lady comes up to me, and she just hugs me. Like, just grabs, grabs me and hugs me, and is like, thank you for that. I just had a really bad day, and I needed to be reminded of that. Now, first off, only in Boise would that happen, maybe, right? I understand that in California you might have gotten, just kidding, sorry. Um, but, but I also love it because you leave and people are like, they acknowledge, you know, Merry Christmas or Happy Holidays. And there's this, there's this farewell that's, that's incredibly beautiful. And then they say, you know, even things like, we'll have a Happy New Year. Like they really want you to have this great New Year. And so there's all this expectation and anticipation of a, of a day, a buildup, similar to, to weddings. You, know, you spend a bunch of time getting ready for the wedding and the wedding happens and then you look to your, your spouse like, oh, we're married now. And then life sets in and it's hard and it... And it and you realize, like, the idiosyncrasies about people. I love marriage, and I love my wife, just so you know. But, but it does change. Similar to the anticipation and the expectations that come with Christmas. People are excited. Kids right now are having a hard time even thinking about sleeping tonight because of what's going to come tomorrow. But here's the thing about Christmas, and here's the thing that's, that's interesting about any kind of time of year. Although we, our Facebook feeds will be blown up with with all these look at the gifts I've had and thankfulness and, and, and Merry Christmas and you'll see love all across the social media, it'll slowly start waning, right? And pretty soon whether tragedy strikes or, or some other hot topic happens on there and all of a sudden the news feed goes from thankfulness and excitement to arguments and fighting and dissatisfaction. I even thought, this is, this is hard and I, I struggle to do this because, because my parents are in the room, but I had to think of an analogy for, for a Christmas present, and I couldn't think of a good Christmas present. That doesn't mean they didn't give me one. It just proved um, my point better, is that no matter what anticipation you have, no matter what excitement you have for whatever gift you're going to get, you get that gift, it's shiny, it's exciting, and what happens? A week, a month, six minutes, it gets old. It gets tiring, and, and you just kind of look forward to the next Christmas. If you've got kids, I, I love that a lot of times our kids are getting a little bit older now, but when we first gave them any kind of present, it would open and be like, okay, cool, what's next? And it was like just kind of this assembly line of opening gifts. Like they didn't really care. And then at the end of the day, it was more fun to play with the wrapping paper or the box than the actual toy itself. And I think we put so much expectation and so much hope and joy in this one moment, in this one day, that I think we forget that really... Ultimately, despite the fact that family's together and you love each other, and despite the fact that gifts come and, and there's joy in that moment, that that joy is waning. 
that it's just a matter of time before you realize that that joy wasn't enough to sustain you. In fact, I can even understand that, that a lot of times you put hope in what you will or won't get this Christmas. And maybe you're older and you're like, okay, you're not, you're not putting hope in getting the latest princess gift or whatever it may be, but, but maybe you're putting hope in a relationship or hope in something else. You're hoping as a parent right now that you can just keep your kid sitting quiet long enough to listen to something, right? You're hoping for all these different things. And here's the problem is when we put our hope in anything in this world, anything at all, whether it's being a good parent or being a great husband or all these things that even are good, we are set up for disappointment. We're set up for disappointment. The reason for that is because, because none of these things, even Christmas Day, wasn't meant to sustain our hope. It's the point behind Christmas. It's the point behind whether it happened, like you said last week, whether it happened in January or December, it doesn't really matter. But it's, it's the point behind what this means, the birth of Jesus Christ. It's what you guys just spent a bunch of time singing about. See, that's the only thing, the only thing at all that will bring hope and will sustain joy. In fact, I, I'm going to say enjoy your family if you can this holiday spirit, spirit time. It, party, have fun. In fact, there are lots of biblical commands for partying and having a good time. Jesus is not the, the antonym to fun, right? And I'm saying give good gifts. In fact, I totally fell prey to a, a last-minute Christmas deal in Fred Meyer today. I'm a little ashamed of it, but I'm really excited about what my kids are going to see tomorrow, just so you guys know. But... <laughs> But I know that it's only going to last so long. And it's just a matter of time before they want what the other one got and they start fighting over it. And I start questioning the dollars I spent on it. See, and it's okay to do all that stuff and all that's great. But we can't put our hope in that. If you put your hope in anything else that can't sustain it, then you're just setting yourself and your kids and this world up for disappointment. In fact, a lot of you put hope in in an actual extension of the church, and you felt hurt by that. See, a lot of you put hope in in, in maybe your marriage being in a spot that it should have been, and it's not. And so you start seeing, you start doubting, start questioning, start shaking the foundation of your faith. And and I don't mean to be a downer on Christmas, but, but I think the problem with most of us is that Christmas is such, there's so much wrapped up in the event itself that we get so excited and so crazy that we forget that although it's just a day, the next day is, is, is December 26th. Christmas is over, and we've got to wait another 364 days for it to happen again. But there will be another Christmas. So the problem is, is if we keep putting our hope in this is the Christmas, this is the day, this is where something's going to happen, and it's not Christ, it's not founded on Jesus Christ, then we're left wanting. See, we need to... We need to enjoy the things in this world. We need to be excited about what God gives us, the family and the friends and the, the cookies and the eggnog and everything else that comes. It's just awesome, right? We need to be excited about that. But we can't ever let that shadow the Creator. We can't ever let that get in the way of, of the very one that created every single thing of that, the very one that created you and I and knows what will sustain and bring us joy. The Christmas story is is has been told a million times, and you probably all have heard it, but the, the, the basis of it, whether it was December or not, was that, that long, long ago, the world was messed up. Adam and Eve messed up, and at that point in Genesis 3, we get a promise that, that God will bring someone 
He is going to not just bring any random person, but bring someone that will, that Satan will be able to bruise his heel, but he will be able to, Jesus will be able to crush his head. And he set in motion, although that was 4,000 B.C., set in motion this whole long thing. You saw a painting of it at the beginning, working through all the stories of all the prophecies and all the, all the Old Testament books and everything that worked up to the fact of the very day where Joseph and Mary trekked their way all the way to a little town, Bethlehem, to give birth to a son. His name was Jesus. And we sang it, Emmanuel, God with us. And that's what brings hope. In this broken and, and messed up world, the, all these other stuff and these things get in the way, but that is what brings hope. In fact, we know in the story, we see in Luke 2, 10, 11, the angel said to them, this is the angel that's, that's over the shepherds. He comes over to them in the field and they're afraid. And he says, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of a great joy that will be for all people. A great joy that is for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ, meaning the Messiah, the Lord, for all people. So the joy that, that if you're in this room and you're like, who is this Christ? The joy for you is in Christ. The thing you're missing, the thing that you keep hoping for, it's in Christ. For those of you that are in here and you believe that already, you know that Jesus' arrival brought hope and joy. You understand that. You believe that. But do you live by that? See, we feel the joy when we celebrate the, the, the incarnation or Jesus becoming flesh. But I think sometimes we forget that although he came in such a vulnerable, small, little being, a baby, being, having to be cared for by the very people that he knit together in his mother's womb. See, this is... Jesus, who created all things. And we think, okay, he came as a baby. It's a big deal. Great. Well, this was set in motion thousands of years earlier, and it is something we celebrate again today. Colossians 1, 15 through 20 says, He, speaking of Jesus, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by Him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through Him and for Him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. In that baby, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. See, what we celebrate isn't the fact that just Jesus was born, but because we know on the flip side that he lived a perfect life, fulfilling all of the commandments and the laws to be crucified on a cross for us in our place so that we can have a right standing with God, so that we can understand true hope, true joy, true peace. See, Jesus was the creator of all. He's the creator of me, of you, of my daughters. He's the creator of everything. I can't help but think that sometimes if maybe you had a Christmas gift that you were so excited about that you had, I don't know, I couldn't even think of one, but let's say it was a coat for me. And the coat isn't that exciting, but all the memories that come with it, and I see pictures of this coat and, and my family in this spot, and I see, oh, I remember that event, and I think, oh, man, this would be so awesome. Maybe I should go find the guy that made my coat. And I track down the guy that actually put the coat together, and I, I sit him down, I'm like, look, dude, 
you made my coat. You didn't know, like, you thought it was going to keep me warm, but you had no idea. There's so many great memories in that, so many amazing things. And here's the thing. The guy might go neat, right? He probably was, or he was probably thinking, like, I just did that for a job. Like, maybe you have some employee that was really excited about the fact that he was making coats, but most likely he was just making ends meet, and he wouldn't be that excited about it. But see, here's the neatest thing about Christmas. God, in, in his throne, had every right to, to destroy us for our separation, our sin, our mistakes, but he chose to become personal and send the very one that created all things to come and be in relationship with us. So I don't need to worry about meeting the maker of a coat, but I can meet the maker of me. I don't need to chase down some joy in something when I have the very one that knows every single thing about me and what brings the most joy to my heart. I can be in relationship and know him in Jesus Christ. So I can have a hope and a joy that surpasses all the brokenness of our lives in this world. See, when we have our hope in this, everything else is shadowed by that. We can enjoy, we can party, we can give gifts. But nothing is ever more precious than that. Matthew 13, 44, talking about a guy, Jesus giving an example of the kingdom of heaven. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like this treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up, and then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has so he can buy this field. This has been hijacked by plenty of pastors trying to get money. This has nothing to do with money. Everything to do with the value of the kingdom of heaven surpasses that of everything in this world. It's so valuable, it's so important, it's so beautiful that, that it's worth giving everything you have just to be near, just to be a part of. The point of tomorrow is the birth of Jesus Christ. Whether it was that day or not, it doesn't really matter. The fulfillness of God reconciling all nations back to himself. Plan that was set in motion a long time ago. Jesus coming and to dwell among us so that he could be an atoning sacrifice for all, to save all of us from death and darkness. That is the point of Christmas. And you've heard this story a million times. And you start to go, oh, okay, I don't know, you know, I'm not sure if it makes much sense and whether or not I'm connecting with the kids. Maybe it's, it's better if we would just see it through their eyes. Because there's this joy that comes from this. It's the only everlasting hope in this world. Jesus is what we are to celebrate, not just at Christmas, but every day of the year. I hope, I hope that if nothing else, I hope that you guys would not allow shadows to be placed on Jesus in your life. I hope that you would recognize that, that the creator of, of all things, the one who, who, who did everything to make us in right standing with God, he is the one that shadows everything else. Everything pales in comparison to him. We're going to sing some more in a second. And singing at church is one of those funny things because if you're not into church, you kind of come in and you feel like a robot being told what to do on the screen, so you just do it. And even with Christmas songs, I struggle with Christmas songs. I don't really remember any songs, so it doesn't apply to me, but I struggle with Christmas songs because, because here's the problem, is that we've heard them over and over again. We just sit there and sing them like they don't really mean much. And these words just come out of our mouth as if that's what you do. And some of you, like, you're back there pitching your ear going, oh, am I on? Yeah, this is good. Or, or you're paying attention to the person next to you, most likely me, who's not on, 
right? And you, you lose the whole point of singing. And so what we're going to do, in just a second, they're going to come up again. But I wanted to just, in light of the Christmas story, in light of Emmanuel, God with us, I wanted to just share real quickly one word, and that's hallelujah. It's a word that, that, that people say all the time. It's a word that, that's lost its meaning. It's, it's a word that we sing over and over again, and songs have been written about, and whether they believe in Jesus or God or not, they still sing this hallelujah. But for the Jews and the scribes of Jesus' time, they were so afraid of saying God's name that they wouldn't even say it. In fact, the scribes, when they, were trans, um, when they were rewriting the Bible over and over again, where we see the Dead Sea Scrolls, they would, they would come to the Word of God and they would stop and do a full ceremonial cleanse before they even wrote that word again. They were so afraid to say his name. They were so afraid to even, even do it because of the whole fear of the commandment of taking his name in vain. So they, they just said, we can't do it. But the problem with that is, is although it's beautiful to not take God's name in vain, it puts God at this distant piety kind of deity that's just way out to reach and not really close and relational. Not close and relational at all. In fact, the word hallelujah is, is, is a transliteration of two Hebrew words. It's hallelujah and yah. And hallelujah essentially means praise or glory or honor. It's an exhortation to all praise. And so hallelujah, hallelujah is literally to say, I'm going to give glory and praise to something. Yah is God's name. Yah is short for Yahweh. So when you say hallelujah, you're not just saying anything. You're saying praise and glory and sing with me to Yah, a God who is personal enough to say, I will give you my name. A God who is personal enough to say that I'm not good enough, I'm not good with just sitting at a distance, but therefore I'm going to send my son to die for you so that we can be back in communion again. See, when, Ma- when Moses asked God what name he should use to identify God in Egypt, God said, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. Exodus 3.14. The name Yahweh was built on the words I am, meaning the present tense, but as a verb it meant to be. So in essence, God's, God's name is, is, is never changing, is beautiful, transcendent, absolute. It's the center of his identity. He's always present, unending, constant. He's the author of all things, the Lord, inexhaustible and immeasurable, the creator. All of the gods of the peoples are worthless idols, but Yahweh made the heavens. Psalm 96, 5. We see, we see Yah show up only about six times in Psalms. We see the Greek version of it in, in Revelation. Alleluia. But the point is, is that when you say hallelujah, you're, you're, in court, you're encouraging, you're asking those around you and the angels to join in you in praising Yah. God gave you his name. And so when we sing hallelujah, when we, when we live a life of purpose and meaning, not shadowed by all the stuff in this world, but where God is a shadow to everything else, we recognize that there is joy in even the word hallelujah. And so what we're going to do is we're going to sing a song. We're going to sing to Yah. We have his name written on our hearts, and we are exhorting and proclaiming that all praise, hope, and joy is in him and him alone. Hallelujah to the great, almighty, never-changing Yah, Savior and Lord. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Christmas. We thank you for um, redeeming all things in this earth, for changing the brokenness into beauty, for, for, for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to be born in a miraculous, amazing way.
that makes no sense but fulfills prophecies of thousands of years written beforehand. God, we thank you that, that we even get the opportunity to praise you. And we don't, have to, we don't have to stand at a distance with our eyes lifted down in fear of looking at you, but we can stand in fear of who you are but with love and face you because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. Father, we praise you. And you allow us to praise you by your name. So may we not take that in vain. May we, may we redeem the very thing of your name. Not in some kind of over-religious way, but in a way that would remind us that you are God. You are center. You are everything. You are the true joy, the everlasting hope. May we never lose sight of that, God. For those of us in the room that, that, that struggle to remember that, God, would you remind us of that? God, for those of us in the room that are too young to understand this, would you put your imprint on our hearts? God, would you you redeem every single child in this room for your glory and your glory alone? Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for, for what you did, and we thank you that we even get to celebrate at a time like this. So as we celebrate, God, may we never lose sight of the fact that we are doing it in your name. Yeah. It's in your son Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.